Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. One of the other things that we've done during this, this challenging times with, uh, with this virus is... Um, We've also really gone down this path of, of awareness, mental health awareness. And I think that's one of the most challenging things is to really get out good information to the public. Welcome to episode 70 of the Farm Traveler podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and I am excited to talk with you today and for you to listen to this awesome interview with the founders of Blooming Health Farms in Colorado. Blooming Health Farms is a really cool program all about developing kids and helping them combat mental health while giving them chances to learn about aquaponics and agriculture and computer programming and a whole bunch of really cool stuff. So their website, bloominghealthfarms.com, explains it fantastically. So I'll read a little chunk of their information on education and their outreach. Um, it says, we're committed to fostering critical thinking and inquiring minds in our participants. We use hands-on approach to teach STEM through practical application at our cutting-edge sustainable farm. Students learn biology and ecology while working directly with our fish and plants, physics of fluid flow and systems engineering, and computer programming for automation and monitoring. We're going to talk with the founders today, Ryan and Sean, and all the great things they're doing with Blooming Health Farms and how it's really helping students, getting them out of bad circumstances and showing them all the really cool stuff you can do with STEM, you know, science, technology, and engineering, and mathematics, as well as agriculture and how they're using aquaponics to show them all the technology that's involved with agriculture. I really hope you enjoy this episode. This is super interesting. It's kind of two very important things, kind of the future of agriculture and mental health, which we've learned, thanks to our past guests, that kind of mental health in agriculture and around the world is getting more and more attention. So this is great. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're all staying safe again during COVID. And be sure to check out Blooming Health Farms. Again, their website is bloominghealthfarms.com. 
and listen to Ryan and Sean and our really great interview. All right. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it. I'm going to stop stalling. Enjoy it. All right. Well, Ryan and Sean from Blooming Health Farms, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. How are you two doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well as well. Doing well, Trevor. How are you? Good deal. I'm, so I'm super excited to talk with you guys. You kind of, so Blooming Health Farms kind of combines um, agriculture, aquaponics, and mental health, which is super important nowadays. So kind of how did you two come up with this idea? Like whose brainchild was it? it? It's super cool because both of you have very different backgrounds. Ryan, you're kind of into clinical counseling and Sean, you've got a cool background in molecular bioscience. So how did you two kind of work together, kind of start this thing? About a year ago now, maybe a little more. Um, I had been, when I was in grad school, I came across some research on aquaponics uh, being used in uh, prisons to help rehabilitate some of the inmates there. And so I kind of got to rolling that around in my brain. And I, I was thinking about setting up a um, an at-risk youth rehabilitation center using aquaponics, but I didn't know much about it. I started reading and reaching out to people, um, reached out to my local uh, extension committee, and uh, Sean happens to be part of the extension, and um, we were able to connect up and uh, turns out our dreams and our passions really lined up pretty well. So just kind of rolled with it. Well, that's cool. So, um, you guys are based in Colorado. And so what, what was the whole building process like? I mean, what was it from start to about right now? Like what was that whole process of kind of getting Blooming Hill Farms on the ground and kind of building it from there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it's been kind of a long journey. Like Ryan said, I think we met at the beginning of last year and we kind of first got familiar with each other and from there I mean we pretty much hit the ground running uh, as Ryan kind of alluded to we had a lot of similar dreams and um, in in a lot of those shared dreams we also had a lot of um, shared passions and shared interests and all these different things in life and so we just pretty much clicked right off the bat and um, you know we met you know probably uh, a month after we first contacted each other and uh, did our first work session and immediately came up with um, creating the business. Uh, we came up with a business name. We hashed names back and forth. Um, Ryan put his head down and started building that wonderful website that you got a chance to look at. And um, from there, we also began kind of branding and creating the different thing and and some of our early processes, we're really trying to create a unique identity for ourselves. What did that look like? How did that align with who we are? And trying to build some of those foundational documents. Um, so in pursuing this and creating this business model, Ryan had uh, developed a business model based on um, what he had learned with aquaponics already before contacting me and with his experience with mental health. So he had a heavy part of his business model had developed a lot of this mental health aspects in concerning to using STEM and um, job rehabilitation to help kids and help other people that need it. Um, so from, from there, he was able to combine this business plan that I had brought from um, 
I had developed a really robust business plan for a farm when I was in school back in Hawaii. I worked extensively as uh, an extension agent, went out to farms and helped all these people. So we combined these two business models. Mine was heavily focused on aquaponics, is the mental health. And that was our really first big project was creating a business model. We had help with a small business development center and some other local professionals to really get this really tight thing together. And then after that, we began creating, you know, our social media. We have Facebook, we have an Instagram account, um, which I know that you've just become familiar with. And um, we, in the organization process of all of this, we uh, realized that our mission was best served as uh, this nonprofit mentality, this nonprofit philosophy. So we set up our business as a nonprofit entity. And in doing so, we learned a lot of the little caveats about needing boards of trustees, about having to create bylaws, about all the hurdles that you have to jump through with the 501c3. So we began doing all of that. We drafted our bylaws, created a board, and um, during that process, uh, we got our first real interview um, back in September of last year. We were on a local radio, pirate radio. We had about a five-minute live feature back and forth between um, the two guys. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, we were on Town Square Media for um, about a 15-minute recorded interview. It, it aired on uh, four local stations, and they have that archived on their website. Um, at that point, we realized, like, this is a really viable thing, but we don't have any money. So from there, uh, we created um, a crowdfunding campaign to kind of go after one avenue of this thing. And we have a crowdfunding site on chuffed.org, which is a, some gentlemen out of Australia and the UK um, that have a Kickstarter, Indiegogo type thing, but geared towards nonprofits. Um, we, we started really getting our nose to the, to the ground with trying to understand what our markets look like. Ryan and I went to our first winter farmer's market last winter in uh, November. So we took some really good notes and we started networking with the different people at uh, people with different agricultural workshops and stuff like that. Um, and then about at the beginning of this year, uh, we kind of got referred to two gentlemen that might have uh, a viable operation for us to take over. Um, and we spent most of this beginning of this year really trying to tease out whether that was going to work or not. And we just found out in the last few weeks that um, we're uh, going to have to take a different path. So pretty much that's uh, the last year and a half of where we're at in a long-winded nutshell. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like an interesting story. I mean, you're, uh, it seems like you're having like twists kind of along the way, but I'm sure you guys will get there. I mean, kind of the good struggle. Um, so, all right. So going off of that, um, Sean, or I'm sorry, Ryan. So kind of talk us through what are some strategies that you guys are going to use um, to kind of combat mental health? I mean, I feel like in the past couple of years, the importance of mental health has kind of skyrocketed and more and more people are kind of paying attention to it and kind of realizing that we all need to focus on our mental health and combat it in different ways. So what are some strategies that you guys are going to bring to the table and kind of help people kind of combat their mental health? Yeah. Uh, so we do focus on at-risk youth and getting kids off the streets, out of trouble, um, out of the gangs that we have around here. 
the biggest way that we do that is job skills training. So our kids work the farm. They have the opportunity to work every aspect of it from harvesting vegetables to doing the packaging to distribution to um, at the higher level, doing some of the marketing, social media, you know, all everything that we do, everything that is needed to run a business, we can have our kids help with. Uh, and so the biggest thing that we're doing is teaching them that they aren't relegated to farm work or retail work, you know, on the front end where they're just digging ditches and picking vegetables. We are involving them in every aspect. Um, and that alone has been proven scientifically to reduce recidivism, which is the likeliness to return to crime by up to 85 to 90%. Um, so that's number one. Number two, we are involving these kids in individual and group therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, where we talk about what went wrong in their thinking, what um, cognitive patterns need to be changed so that selling drugs doesn't seem like their only option or stealing cars doesn't seem like their only option. So our kids take part in an hour a week of individual therapy with master's level clinicians an hour a week of group therapy with master's level clinicians. Um, and again, that intervention by itself has been proven to reduce recidivism, which is that likelihood of returning to crime by 90 to 95%. And so we are expecting to see absolutely fantastic results uh, with these kids learning that they are worth more than stealing stereos, breaking into cars, you know, in the extreme cases, robbing and mugging people, um, and that they can be more and do more than that. Um, we're also coming at this from an educational standpoint. We're exploring the option of setting up an actual school uh, so that these kids have academic support and that, you know, they can get their high school diplomas or GEDs and go on to college or trade school or, or not, whatever they need to be doing to be successful without resorting to crime, without resorting to violent behavior, that kind of thing. Gotcha. That's awesome. And it sounds like it's really having an impact. Um, and you kind of touched base on it a little bit. Is this really just for students interested in going after like an agriculture background or something like that? Or is it really for anybody? Or is it really just kind of showcasing them what's out there and all the different learning strategies that are out there to kind of get them distracted and kind of focus towards more of like, like towards their education? We want to um, focus on anything and everything that we can. You know, uh, a lot of our farms uh, operations are going to be automated uh, eventually, and that's going to take computer programming. We can have the kids learning to do the coding, learning to do the, the computer side of that business, marketing, not just in the agricultural field, but really it can be generalized to anything from basic customer service to, um, like I said, engineering, uh, science, STEM, STEM skills. We're going to be uh, working with some college professors to teach actual um, STEM curricula, and that'll be really cool. And this can be generalized to just about any area that these kids are interested in going into. Um, so yeah, we're absolutely not limited to just the agricultural side. Gotcha. That's awesome. It sounds like a lot of kids can kind of take advantage of this and learn whether they're inter interested in ag or computer science or anything like that. So that's really neat. 
Um, all right. So Sean, if you don't mind, walk us through kind of the whole aquaponic system that you guys have. Like what kind of uh, fish do y'all have? What kind of produce do you grow in the systems? What did it kind of start out with and what's the whole plan to set it up down the road? Yeah, definitely. So um, right now um, we have uh, a small operation that's, you know, effectively um, about a 400 square foot uh, foot. Yeah, 400 square foot four floor plan. Sorry, I had trouble saying that there. And um, right now we have uh, tilapia and we're growing, um, it's a Mozambicus tilapia, which they uh, traditionally come from Southern Africa. They're prolific growers, they grow really fast. And um, so we're using those to right now uh, grow basil. Um, I have four different varieties of basil. We've got like a Genovese basil, Italian basil, sweet basil, a Thai basil, and a dark opal basil. So that's actually five basils. Uh, we're growing red Russian kale, and I have a couple different like butter crisp type lettuces. Um, we also are doing some microgreens. So we have pea shoots, lentil shoots, and we're working on some brassicas. Um, those are going to be like turnip, mustard, and radish. Um, so right now what we're using is just a recirculating aquaculture system. We have our um, fish in a tank and it's going through a simple biofilter, um, a trickle biofilter to be more precise. And um, then that water is just flowing through the system and um, it's returning back to the fish. Uh, the plan for moving forward is these fish are actually our um, brood stock for farm grow out. And um, we plan on breeding our own fish and marketing our own branded Rocky Mountain white tilapia. From there, um, those fish will be able to um, go to a couple other facilities. We have about a thousand square foot. Um, we have two locations that we have about a thousand square feet for future expansion. So right now we're undergoing um, a build out of some more sprout and fish areas. So those fish are going to ultimately end up at those two new sites to begin the next stage of, um, of production. So the point of what we're doing is we're having to start small. Earlier I mentioned that we had met some gentlemen with a large facility. Um, it gave us an opportunity to see what we needed to do. And in doing so, um, we've gone out and we've met some restaurant owners in Greeley. We've met uh, a couple restaurant owners in Loveland, Colorado. And we begin to talk to them and tell them that what we're going to do and start with offering is we're going to contract grow for restaurants. We're going to come into these places and say, hey, we have an opportunity to be able to provide fresh produce year round in a controlled environment. So we can give you reliable food whenever you need it. But the novel thing is, is that we can also grow some varieties that you uh, that you want. So either things that you're looking for to get from like U.S. Foods or Shamrock that you can't get, or maybe some unique varieties that might change your flavors. So we've approached local restaurants because they also have the latitude with changing their menus and doing menu creation and dish creation. So we have two restaurants, the Tavern at St. Michael's and Gourmet Grub, who have expressed interest in this idea. And so we've begun to grow some sample crops for them, and I've got them over some basil. Um, depending on how well this goes, we're um, 
using this next two space to expand future operations and carry on in that capacity at now. Um, we're also anticipating that the micro green operation can be uh, quite lucrative and quite popular. We've met several restaurant owners that have expressed um, there's this kind of void in the micro green here in Northern Colorado. So we want to be able to try to capture that. And uh, so we're also looking at some larger, uh, larger places like the grocery stores that here that are large would be considered the uh, Safeway size are uh, King Supers, um, natural grocers, uh, and we do have some whole foods and stuff like that here. So we're kind of targeting those as our next beyond the restaurant people. Gotcha. That's awesome. And I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a huge hit with the restaurants. I mean, like you said, you can grow produce year round and you can basically customize it to grow exactly what they're going to need, which is going to be huge for you guys. That's exciting to hear. Yeah, we're excited I for that. It sounds like it's um, something that other people aren't really doing. So we think we're filling a unique niche as well. Uh, you know, the people in the soil, they don't really have the latitude and the freedom to be able to uh, change what types of crops they're growing in mid-production. And the advantage of doing things hydroponically and aquaponically is that we can shift and move plants around a little bit more fluidly than when they're firmly stuck into the dirt. I mean, you can customize those things super well. And I was telling, um, I was telling Ryan beforehand, so I taught high school ag for two years in Daytona Beach, and we actually had a smaller aquaponic system in our greenhouse. Yeah, it was really trial by fire. We tried we tried to grow sweet potatoes. Um, that didn't work. They just really dissolved in the water, which we had like an ebb and flow system. So it would fill up and then empty into the tank. And then we also had tilapia that were donated by an individual. And um, one day we came back from the weekend and we looked in their tank and the tilapia were gone. And we're like, did somebody steal them? Well, we looked and looked and looked and come to find out that the water pump, the filter had fallen off. So it sucked up a bunch of the tilapia and basically ground them to a pulp. And we were like, well, crap, we need to get some more tilapia and a better filter. But um, I mean, it, it, it's trial by fire. And it sounds like you guys are learning a whole lot. And that, I mean, the interest in the community is huge. So that's super duper exciting. Um, what, what has really been the student feedback working with these aquaponic systems? I mean, did they know that this is a thing that happens? I mean, what was kind of their thoughts whenever they were working with it? You know, the feedback that we've gotten so far from people who have seen our facility and um, the few people that we've had in to actually help us work some of this stuff uh, has been absolutely incredible. Nobody expects produce to grow the way that we're growing it. And um, who doesn't love a fish tank, right? Like people see the the fish in the in the water and they just, you know, it's so novel and so new. Um, that even when we describe it to people, it doesn't really get across the, I don't know, the uniqueness of our system. Um, so people walk in and they see it and they see what we're doing and um, they're like, wow, I didn't know any of this was possible. This is so cool. Um, and, you know, they just instantly want to get involved. And that's just kind of been our feedback across the board. Yeah, and it's pretty funny, like, um we come from a more traditional agricultural area here. You know, we have a lot of dryland crops. We grow a lot of corn. Cattle is king out here. So um, one of the funny things is that, you know, they're so similar, but yet they're so different. And being able to try to use the same words that they grew up with to talk about agricultural from an aquaculture perspective is really neat. Um, you know, 
we're all used to raising animals. We've got a lot of 4-H out here. So trying to remind people, hey, we're raising animals. We're not just growing plants. And I think one of the things that's lost in a lot of aquaponics operations is that animal husbandry is paramount to your success. And a lot of people tend to forget that we have these living organisms that need to be treated just like a lot of our kids have treated livestock in the past. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, if to produce for, uh, for an organism like a fish or even a cow, you've got to take care of them, really, really good care for them in order for them to grow and to be healthy and for that to be a great commodity for consumers down the road. So that's a very, very good point. So, I mean, with this whole COVID-19 thing, have you guys seen kind of a growth in mental health issues right now? I mean, with the students, I mean, what kind of, has there been any kind of change that you've noticed at all? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we are just getting started, but uh, it, it's been community-wide. I mean, in a lot of ways, it has brought our community together, and I'm sure that's the case across the country as well. But um, And in some ways, it's been divisive, but everybody is kind of, going through this together and so there's this weird sense of community um but also there's a, a ton of anxiety there's some depression i've seen a lot of um isolation and fear not knowing what's going to happen um of course you know i know several people who have had family members die because of the virus and that's been an entirely different experience because you have this community of people that are supporting them and then you have this other community of people in the same town uh saying no it's all a hoax and really minimizing those losses and so it's been it, this virus has kind of brought its own unique set of challenges to the mental health scene around us both in people's personal lives and then professionally they're not sure if they're gonna be able to keep jobs and um honestly even for our customers we see a lot of mental health stuff with the restaurants that we work with and um, wondering what tomorrow holds and that anxiety. Are we going to be able to keep our doors open? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people that have been out of work for so long, I can't imagine kind of the impact it's having on their mental health and even, I mean, like their kids' mental health too. So I definitely hope it kind of, I, 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 I totally understand what you feel. Some people think it's a hoax. Some people think it's um, the new plague. And so there's just so many opinions on it. But I mean, we all need to just really everybody be safe. So that's a very good point. I was going to, I was going to add to that if I could. Um, I think one of the other things that we've done during this, this challenging times with, uh, with this virus is um, we've also really gone down this path of, of awareness, mental health awareness. And I think that's one of the most challenging things is to really get out good information to the public. Um, Ryan's been able to really kind of work with uh, a couple people and get out some good information um, and some of the infographics that we have on our Instagram and from our Facebook come from some of that coaching Ryan's provided to just, you know, talk about what's going on in relation to this. And um, we've found that that seems to be a really great segue as well um, to try to begin to open up these conversations. Because like, as Ryan said, you know, all of the stuff that's going on, we don't really know about it unless we're talking about it. So it's been really uh, challenging during these times, but thankfully we have these different platforms to kind of put it on this on everybody's face and we're all staring at our devices while we're quarantined. So 
Um, I think it's been been really effective. We've also got some good feedback as well um, from the community on that information that's unrelated to the, you know, oh, the fish and tank type stuff. Yeah, gotcha. And I mean, I totally understand you on that point. Like, especially us as like young men, we're we're not really taught how to deal with mental health. And so I can remember as a kid, I mean, just a few, like a decade ago, and I mean, never really taught anything about mental health. And so it's so great that there's organizations like you guys that are kind of showcasing the importance of it and what we can do to combat it and kind of help our mental health and kind of gauge things and understand things. So I think, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. I mean, it, I know the importance of mental health and of course the importance of agriculture. So combining those two is phenomenal. So I, I applaud you guys. I think this is great. You're welcome. And, and also, I will email you guys later about this, but um, a friend of the show, and he actually also has a podcast called Ag State of Mind. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about it, but he's really all about mental health in the ag industry. And so I think I told him about you guys, and he was like, I might reach out to them. They sound super cool. So just a heads up, I will email you guys about that later on. But um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Ryan and Sean, this has been great. If people want to follow you guys and see what Blooming Health Farms is up to and all the great work you're doing. Where can they go to follow you guys and kind of watch the journey? We are, we have our website, www.bloominghealthfarms.com with the S in there. Um, we are also on Instagram we're on Facebook as well. And I think we have a Twitter, but I don't know how much we use it. I've got a Twitter, but I never use that thing. So that's cool. Well, we'll send everybody your way to kind of check out Blooming Health Farms. Um, your website is awesome and the Instagram is awesome. That's how I found you guys on Instagram. So a lot of great content. Can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Um, thanks again for coming on and keep us updated on how you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you, Trevor. We really appreciate this time and um, we've been excited for this as well. So. Well, too. Thank you, Trevor. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv